This is the On Conflict Podcast, deep conversations that will transform your relationship with conflict. Season two, a focus on leadership. And now your hosts, Julia Menard and Gordon White. Welcome to the On Conflict Podcast, Riffcast. And today we are riffing on our interview with Jane Morley last week. Yeah, it was fabulous. Mm -hmm. And here we are ready to talk about it. Yeah, and a particular interest to us was asking Jane questions and having conversation about organizational conflict. Mm -hmm. Yes, certainly keeping with the theme of the season. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we were going to talk a bit about our own experience of organizational conflict. Would you like to go ahead? Sure. Thank you, Gordon. Uh, and, and in particular, I think what you and I were talking about off air was our experiences with conflict management systems mm -hmm. is kind of how we're starting. Mm -hmm. And I'm just realizing, did you want to talk about a way to define conflict management systems before I respond to my way of my experiences? Well, with I would define it as the way that an organization responds to conflict would be its conflict management system, or that's a very simple way of understanding it. The way an organization responds to conflict. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. I'll riff off that. Okay. Yeah. So starting with that very fundamental, that basic definition, one of my thoughts is when I come into organizations, I often hear we don't have any conflict actually we have this one conflict and we're hoping that you as an outside intervener could perhaps make it go away in mm. some way can you fix it mm -hmm. in other words there's an aberration that's happened yes. and that's because it's an aberration we're getting someone from the outside because it's kind of unfamiliar to us that's right but it's come along and so please take care of that with us and then we can go back to normal and yes because really we don't have conflict this is an exception yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. <laughs> well, why are you laughing? <laughs> because conflict is everywhere. Conflict <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. 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 yeah it's be pretty unusual for a working relationship not to have some conflict at some, really? some point in time. Do yeah. you think we have conflict? You and I? Yes. <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> we had one just before talking about conflict management systems. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we wanted to record it, but we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we got lost in the minutia. There's another piece I wanted to add to that. Mm-hmm. I think because many teams, leaders, workplaces, people tend to think they don't have conflict. And then when this conflict flares up, it's an aberration. I also think as an outside intervener, whether as a human resource intervener or a union rep or a mediator, which is our role, I think oftentimes we're looked at as being the experts. This conflict thing it's, you know, beyond us. Mm -hmm. And so can you fix it as an expert? Because we don't have the expertise. And so fix this broken machine. Mm -hmm. And then when you've gone, no worries, because it's not going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Unless we've got this problematic person. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I guess we'll get rid of them if what you do doesn't fix it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the extent of the conflict management system conversation often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you, not just me noticing that. No, okay. 
Um, and how about you? Well, one of the things I notice is that usually an organization doesn't have a systematic way of responding. So that if I'm working working under Director A, that person will, on an ad hoc basis, do what they think's best, right? Mm-hmm. Which could mm-hmm. mean dealing with, you know, talking to the two people themselves, bringing in a mediator, mm-hmm. supplying coaching, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then if I get transfer and I'm over with Director D then her response might be completely different. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you're bringing in larger organizations. And, mm. and I think what comes up for me is you were mentioning to me off air the kind of conflict management system books that you've come across mm-hmm. in the past, which we need to reference. But mm-hmm. you were saying that there is a traditional way of looking at conflict management systems and mm-hmm. system design. Yeah, or at least in the last hour, we've come up with a notion of traditional and non-traditional. True. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess some large organizations would say they do have a conflict management system and it's in their policy where if I'm thinking of some of the organizations you and I have worked with, mm-hmm. large organizations yes. where some leaders and or employees may have some awareness that if you and I have a conflict as colleagues, mm. that we have some expectation to try to resolve it together. Yeah, before we escalate yes, somewhere. That's right. Yeah. Or if we go to our supervisor without having approached our conflicted other Mm. that we're asked by Mm. our supervisor, you know, have you approached Mm. the other person Mm. or what help might you need to be able to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so some organizations may think they have one. Mm -hmm. Did you want to add anything to that about the traditional versus when we get into the other? Well, I think what you're saying is really a description of a more traditional type of conflict management system, but not maybe not a very developed one. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. what Julie and I when we start using that that word, we used it Traditional, because you mean? yeah, we mm-hmm. start to use that word in the lot. You know, when we were talking about speaking before this recording, is there were several books written I, probably around twenty years ago, getting disputes resolved by Yuri Breton Goldberg, and then there's designing conflict management systems by Costantino and Merchant, and then there's controlling the cost of conflict by Slaku and Hassan. And so they sort of established an understanding of what a conflict management system in an organization could be. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is obvious, but I'll say it. Every organization has some kind of conflict management system. It could be speak up and you get fired kind of thing, right? I think that, this is important to so say. So it's not. Yeah. That, so then, the, so there's a there's always a system there, but it might not be a very functional one, right? Not not functional and perhaps not understood to be one. Obviously, that's right. A lot yeah. most people might not have even thought that there is such a thing. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so once we start to use that term, conflict management system, it connotates a few things. One that the organization is starting to become self aware around conflict, right? We're even starting to ask the question about how do we deal with conflict. Yes. And it also has the idea that we're, we can progress, we can actually improve things, right? And we can create some systems that have, you know, they've proven to be effective. So we want them widely dispersed and used in the organization. And then it can get actually written into policy, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then you could take the example you used and it could be a little more developed. So it could be, for example, if I have a conflict with you, I need to try and work it out with you. Yes. And then if it doesn't work, I'm obliged to go and tell my supervisor. Mm-hmm. And then my supervisor will either ask me to come and approach you again, um, work with both of us, or send me off to coaching. Mm-hmm. And then after I come mm-hmm. back, then I've, I'm asked to try again. Mm-hmm. And then if that doesn't work out, then... 
our two supervisors, or if we're, we have only one supervisor between us, then he'll bring in a mediator, mm-hmm. and that could be a mediator trained inside the organization. Mm-hmm. And if the mediator is not able to help us resolve it, then it'll go to HR, and HR will bring in an arbitrator from outside or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that, right? So that Who would decides be a, for the parties. Decides for the parties, mm-hmm. right? So that would be an example of a sort of mature conflict management system in the traditional, what we're calling traditional Traditional. perspective. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So just to slow down and catch up in a way. Sure. uh, I've just had this image in my mind of a continuum where you have some people in an organization thinking, we don't need, we don't have a system at all, Mm -hmm. even though there always is a a way to resolve conflict, Mm -hmm. whether it's we're ignoring it Mm -hmm. or, as you say, speak up and you get fired, Mm -hmm. whatever. There is something going on, but a lot of people think there's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. And then we're now describing in your detailing a conflict management rules or policy or systems, Mm -hmm. and we're calling that traditional. Yes. And it's kind of like a flow chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. flow chart where the conflict moves through certain stages, right? And the, and the traditional way, yeah, the traditional way, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 then there's and there's training and an expectation that that's what everyone will do when they have a conflict, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. And so I think even articulating that is important. I just like what you said though, which is I think you invented the idea of traditional based on the fact that these books that you have on systems conflict management systems design are two decades old. At least I haven't really opened them to look, but yeah, they're getting old. For yeah, sure. yeah. Well, so do they have dust on them there? Some of them. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> so um, I think what we're shifting to, and what was mm. exciting about speaking to Jane, mm. uh, is that there's a emerging a new way of looking at conflict management systems Mm -hmm. and system design yeah yeah that i think the three of us have grown into yes the topic of what we're we're talking about this non-traditional way or this emerging new way of dealing with conflict is something that you and jane morley and i just presented on in the last month at a national conference for our colleagues at adric Mm-hmm. 2019. Alternative Dispute Resolution Institute, Canada. Canada. Yeah, right? Canada. Yeah. The three of us, Jane, you and I, sharing with our colleagues that we've noticed ourselves going through a development in the last decade or so of our practice in organizations mm-hmm. where perhaps we were also leaning more towards helping organizations either just resolve the presenting dispute mm-hmm. or perhaps trying to help a little bit in that traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Help them create a system. Of some sort. Yeah. But, drum roll. Yeah. What are we talking about? What's this emerging new way? Well. <laughs> That's, I, that is somewhat in the interview with Jane, but this is our take, right? Yeah, it's our take, but mm-hmm. I think it is that what Jane was speaking about really is what we're calling the new way or the more yes. kind of updated way. Yeah. Entirely, she was yeah. speaking about it yeah, that yeah, way, right? Yeah. Well, and it was exciting to talk with her because she has such depth about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of her central... Um, metaphors or images was the notion of an iceberg, right? Yes. That when a conflict presents itself, it's often the tip of an iceberg, mm-hmm. representing either a more protracted, ongoing conflict underneath or some other kind of dysfunction inside the organization, right? Mm-hmm. But in any case, we tend now to look at conflicts, between, certainly between two peoples and even on teams when we're brought in as symptoms yeah. of other yeah, just yeah, dysfunction, I guess, or mm-hmm. less than ideal mm-hmm. 
structures and functions. Yeah. Right. So I'll add, I'll add a couple of things to that. One is the normalizing of conflict, mm-hmm. which in a sense, the, the traditional way conflict management system was sort of normalizing conflict, mm-hmm. saying, I mean, it's going to be there, so yes. you need a way to deal with it. Yeah. But this is more than normalizing it. It's actually saying, look, conflict is presenting a symptom of complexity. Mm-hmm. There is more going on here even than pushing somebody through a deal with this one person individually. And if it doesn't resolve, go up, go up. Right. In fact, you could look at what we're calling traditional as failing to really address what the underlying problems are. Right? Well, I think yeah. failing on a couple of levels. One is perhaps not dealing with some of the underlying iceberg. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, siloed in a more individualistic context. Right. Yeah. Not that, looking at it in a systemic way. Right? A systemic and or community, a holistic okay. way. Yeah. That we we have a problem and the problem is not just you and I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about what we mean by this. Some more details. Well, okay. One thing I want to add is that it introdu- the notion of the iceberg introduces a couple of ideas or this new way of thinking about it. One of them is that functional conflict can be very positive and good, right? And in fact, to get innovation and creativity on teams, you probably need to have conflict. And Linda Hill at Harvard has done research on that, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, you're the one that introduced me to her, actually. Mm-hmm. And I liked her notion of creative abrasion, mm-hmm. uh, that she said we need creative abrasion to be able to have innovation, yeah. is the piece that I remember from. Yeah, to, or to maximize it anyway. To maximize it, yeah. 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 But then there's dysfunctional conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea is to help people learn how to have their conflicts in a functional, productive manner rather than in a destructive manner, right? Yes. And the symptom or the, what we often call a dispute, which is like a flare up between two people or three people are on a team Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is often the symptom of the underlying destructive conflict. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How would you categorize what could be going on underneath the tip of the iceberg, as it were? So I'm just thinking about the tip of the iceberg metaphor mm-hmm. and reflecting on what could be going on underneath mm-hmm. the tip of the iceberg and some of the things I'm pulling out from my own experience when I've gone in more mm-hmm. with the lens of looking for mm-hmm. complexity. Mm-hmm. It could be that the job descriptions are such that, for example, the roles are confusing. Mm-hmm. And so if there was some attending to conversations around clarity of roles that it would ameliorate perhaps even resolve Mm -hmm. the conflict so there's that Mm -hmm. it might be that people don't have the skill the knowledge to know how to engage with constructive communication skills just a couple thoughts yeah could be um not strong leadership right if leaders are not feeling responsible for the conflicts that are happening amongst the group that they're responsible for, we might describe that as a weaker form of leadership than a leader who's saying, okay, it may be these three people who are in my group and they may have some personal responsibility, but I also am responsible to understand what's going on and see if there's underlying or contributing factors in the system, maybe in how I'm managing or in clarity around our goals or in our understanding of how we communicate in meetings or so many different possibilities, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or we maybe we don't have a tool to, for how team members can articulate differences. So we mm-hmm. don't have a shared language, you mm-hmm. know, around a Myers-Briggs personality tool or something. Mm-hmm. And something just occurred to me as you're talking. Mm-hmm. 
With regard to a leader who may not be that conflict competent or perhaps just simply doesn't even see dealing with conflict as part of their responsibility, Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about, well, whose responsibility is it to help the leader see that it's their responsibility? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. is Is it this amorphous culture that needs to be shifted or is it? the responsibility of the ultimate leader of the organization or like where does that responsibility lie to ensure that all leaders within an organization have the expectation that that's their responsibility hmm. certainly one way of looking at it is just the simple way of saying that the the executive team or the leader of the organization has that responsibility right? and hasn't hasn't that been your experience or i was just thinking of one of the stories you've told about being called in to do to do, I think you told the, the story at the conference that we pres- co-presented at that you were called in to do a mediation, but there were scheduling problems, and you made a strategic decision. Um, yeah, I was instead. asked to do. I was asked to do um, a culture change initiative in an organization that had about seventy employees. Seventy. Yeah, yeah and there was it was very challenging to, and so the sort of original idea was it could be done in three groups, maybe of twenty five each, mm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do the kind of initial assessment in in that kind of way. I think it was actually in four groups, but then when we designed the intervention and started trying to enact it the ability to get the groups together was just, it just became very challenging because mm-hmm. of the, there were two or three unions and a complex scheduling and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it was also going to be costly because of the the union agreements around having to pay employees and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was just all kinds of problems with it. So I just basically shifted strategy and started working with the executive team instead and tried to work with them to change the culture from that level. And I actually think it was probably a better strategy anyway. Mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is pointing yeah. to yeah. the importance of supporting executive mm-hmm. leaders, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. One of the things I think we wanted to say is that this new attitude enables us in some situations at least to have more positive, more widespread positive influence, right? So say we're brought into an organization and it's two employees in a conflict. But if we become aware that there's a systemic con- contributor to that conflict and we have a choice, you know, are we going to put our energy into working with those two people or are we going to wor- put our energy into helping the organization of 500 people or whatever shift something that will affect many conflicts that could potentially come up? Obviously, we're going to tr- try and work at the level of 500, right? Where well, we're gonna, I mean, we, it's like... Jane sometimes says, you know, the, you have to work with the bloody nose too. So maybe you have to work with those two people and help them too. But if you can also expand your terms of reference or your influence to deal with a larger, larger organization, this is what we're meaning, I think. Eh? And a lot of times, sorry if I just keep going, but I have a little more to say. Good, good, good. Yeah. So, I, and I think one of the things we're saying is that you, one is sometimes brought in because it's a conflict, but then the work that one does may not be directly related to conflict. It may have to do with clarifying, helping the organization clarify its strategy so everyone's on the same page and going in the same direction. Because so that may be the main contributor to conflict. So it's not actually working with conflict. It's helping them work with their strategy. Mm-hmm. So I think one piece we still want to make sure that we riff on mm-hmm. is what is this new way of thinking of conflict management systems, eh? And conflict mm-hmm. management system yeah. design? Yeah. yeah. You want me to say something? Oh, Yes. <laughs> So I think for it. <laughs> I think what we're saying is that we having being mediators and being known for working in conflict, we will get brought in when there's a conflict often amongst two people or in a small group. Mm-hmm. It's not the only reason we're brought in because mm-hmm. we get known for other things as well. Yeah. But we're brought in for that. 
But then what we try to do is if we can identify systemic or larger issues that are contributing to this conflict and contributing to other ones, we might hear about while we're there, or it is very obvious to us that it will perpetuate conflicts or create other conflicts, then we try to work on that level as well. Mm -hmm. And when we're working on that level, we're sometimes not actually working with conflict at all. We might be working with strategy or mm -hmm. team effectiveness in mm -hmm. some way or other, or cultural expectations or mm -hmm. yeah just mm -hmm. so conflict management system design if you want to say that i mean i guess i want to add one piece mm. is um please <laughs> <laughs> uh, every or I, I think we're not saying ditch having a conflict management policy we're not procedures <laughs> no <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah. yeah really yeah i didn't know <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I just wanted to be clear about that, though. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Yeah. And I think Jane made the same point. Mm. Organizations need rules. We need containers, etc. Mm -hmm. It's just we need more than that, because if we're accepting the premise that conflict is a symptom of complexity, generally, I suppose, mm -hmm. that tool of having a policy is only one piece, mm -hmm. because if we're... I don't want to say stuck in the policy, but let's say we're kind of stuck in the policy. I have a conflict with you. And then the policy says, deal with you directly. And then I try or I don't try. And I go to my supervisor and my supervisor says, well, go get conflict coaching. And I come back, but it's not about conflict coaching. It's because these other things that we've been talking about that's underneath the iceberg is actually going on. Mm -hmm. You know, leadership is not conflict competent or we never have staff meetings, for example, so people aren't coordinated and it's frustrating because mm. I like to be organized mm. and you don't care, mm. right? Like there's all kinds of things. Our policy is not going to deal with that. And so... You mean the conflict management policy? The con sorry, the, the conflict, conflict management policy is not enough. That's right. It's required yes. to deal with some of maybe the more basic mm. problems. Mm -hmm. But and as I'm saying that out loud... I'm also thinking about the poor, hapless, modern-day leader, <laughs> you know, team leader, supervisor, or manager in an organization. What are we really saying here, you and I, in terms of what they need to know to make their own assessment about what is going on here? Yikes. Good point. I know. <laughs> There's a pregnant pause. Well, I think what we're saying is an organization will function in a more healthy and higher level and accomplishes its purpose better yes. if leaders, managers are taking responsibility for the conflicts in the groups or people that they're responsible for, mm -hmm. right? Now, how they go about doing that is a much larger sort of question, right? But it's it's all kinds of, it has certainly has to do with personal development, right? Well, yeah, because I, I think where my mind is going is the notion, which Jane also talked about, but it's the notion of principles. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's the principle that as a leader, I am responsible mm. for transforming conflict to be an opportunity and constructive. Mm. So if I am, what follows naturally from taking that responsibility is what do I need to be able to fulfill on my responsibility? Mm -hmm. Well, chances are what I need is some education mm -hmm. and some of it yes personal development absolutely it's just that when you say that now you're leading down the road of okay education you know and yeah. what do we see as important for people to understand and we do think mm 
mm-hmm. as we progressed in our own careers, that it does come back to my own internal development as one key foundational piece. Mm-hmm. There's more. Yes. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, learning how to assess what conflict is about and being curious. Mm-hmm about what's going on in my team as opposed to taking the side of the one employee that comes to me without even getting curious about anything else or the other person's perspective, for Mm -hmm. example, is Mm -hmm. a common trap. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's like take responsibility and then get some education. Mm. I'll just add, now it's me Mm. that's apologizing for Mm -hmm. continuing, but I want to add one other piece. Yeah, I do too. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Having done my master's, in the last couple of years in leadership, essentially. It was a master's of educational psych with a specialty in leadership. I was surprised to see that there was not one course on conflict in the leadership master's, Mm -hmm. even though um, one of the papers I did substantiated something that we say at the Justice Institute of BC, which is that leaders deal with conflict anywhere from forget what the stat is that we say, but it was around then 25 to 60% of any leader's day is somehow impacted by having to deal with some kind of conflict, whether mm-hmm. it's an internal conflict or one employee is complaining to you about another employee, or you're having to think about how your team is going to function tomorrow because there's some tension there. Um, 25 to 60% of the time is so it's such a high part of what a leader needs to do. And yet it seems the concept of being conflict competent as a leader is certainly nowhere in my master's and doesn't seem to be a common concept. Mm -hmm. I had to get that out. I think I can say this. I did some work in the provincial government in the last few years, and there was some hiring that went on in the group I was working with during the time I was there. And Mm -hmm. I noticed that the people that were hired were definitely interpersonally capable. And I had the impression from some inferences I made that that had become a significant criteria in acquiring new employees and hiring people, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the things that you and I suggest that organizations do, right? Mm-hmm. Is in hiring practices. That's right. Make that a criteria of yes. employment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, and I mean, and we could do a whole riff, which we yeah. won't, but what would you put on there in terms of competency, yeah. right? Do yeah. you put emotional intelligence? Do you put interpersonal yeah. skills, communication yeah. skills, yeah. conflict management skills? Are those all interchangeable? Yeah. <laughs> How do you interview for that? But yeah, for sure. And actually, that reminds me of another book of ours that we reference a lot, which is Patrick Lencioni's book, The Advantage, which I thank you for encouraging mm-hmm. me to read. Mm-hmm. And he also speaks about that, whatever it is that you're going to want to value as an organization, mm-hmm. that it's it's interspersed in all your systems, on mm. all your HR systems. Yeah. And uh, this is a point I wanted to want to add is that it's been the practice or the reality, I guess, for a long time in many organizations that someone could say more or less, um, I can't deal with that person. I'm not going to work with them. Right. Or. And, yes. Yeah. And then you can have these two people who just are not cooperating anymore, right? And yes. they're, they have technical ability and maybe you've got seven or eight people doing the same thing. And so it still functions okay. And they each report to the same supervisor, but there's a bruise, there's like a bruise in a little dark spot there, right? Because these two people can no longer interact and learn from each other and help each other, or they're refusing to do so, right? And this kind of thing was just accepted as kind of normal in organizations. You know? Well, I'm going to add to that. Not yeah. only is it has been accepted and still as commonly accepted as normal that I could say, I don't get along with you, so I don't want to talk with you mm-hmm. and I don't want to work with you. I've also come across leaders who say they're not getting along. And so 
I don't think they should talk with each other. <laughs> you mean perpetuating it? <laughs> yeah. No, they're going to create it. It's like, okay, we're going to move one person to another department. We're going to change their jobs so that they don't have to interact with each other. I mean, I think that's a fairly yeah. common way as a leader yeah. to think, like to create basically a detente <laughs> and have no other plan. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we're encouraging is a, is a two-part shift. Well, that's how I think about it anyway. One part of that is... If you work here, you have to work with others. And and yes. you can't say you're not going to work with someone because no. you don't like them or you're having no. conflict with them. No. You have to work with them. Yes. It's part of it. Yes. And secondly, if you're having trouble, ask for help. And yes. the organization will have some responsibility to supply that help, yes. whether it's training, coaching, or support. Yes. Right? Yes. So number one is you have to work at getting along. Number yes. two is if you're struggling with it, we'll give you some help. Yes. Yeah, beautiful. And that might be a nice way to end our riff yeah, I think What so. do you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. It was really fun to play. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't been recording much for what eight, six or eight months or something like that. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's um, yeah. it is fun. except for these few that we've been getting in. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. Yeah. Thanks Thank for you. listening, everybody. Thank you, Julie. If you love this episode of On Conflict, then help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And you can spread these big ideas too by sharing on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, wherever you show up online. Want to know more about us? Check out our website on conflictpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now, go make the world a better place.